Pastor Xavier Reese marvels at God's promise for Israel is real. The Great Tribulation, to an extent, is to prepare Israel for her Messiah. The victory is guaranteed for in that day, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, will be for them. They will acknowledge their Messiah, who Yahweh will raise up for them. Jesus the Messiah. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. This simple truth from Isaiah chapter 46 proclaims that there is no one that can prophesy things yet to happen as the God of the Bible has. And despite the warning in Scripture that threats to the nation of Israel are going to get worse before getting better, God has promised they will be delivered by the armies of heaven once and for all with the coming of the kingdom age. This is a simple truth found many places in Scripture, including our text for today, Jeremiah chapter 30. Here's our teacher, Pastor Xavier. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 1 through 17 the material of chapter 31 to 33 is called the Book of Consolation, describing the grief and sorrow of the people of Israel through Yahweh's wrath and the captivity, while ultimately it's going to lead to a worse time of history that they have ever known in the end times, which itself will lead into the kingdom age. Chapter 30 and 31, uh, for the most part, contains prophecies that are short-term and long-term fulfillment of the restoration of the people and the land. But for the most part, all of it is for the long-term fulfillment. We can make some applications, but we're not left to our own interpretation. In chapter 30, verse 24 at the end, he says... In the latter days, you will consider it. So we are not left to our own interpretation. Even though he's talking to Israel in their perilous condition of the day before Babylon, it is limited to the latter days. Now, the material was to provide God's people with the promise of a hopeful future by Yahweh himself and his faithfulness. And it's apparent as Jeremiah has over and over again told them of that restoration. But they are in a gloomy situation. They're not listening to God. They're looking to captivity. So God gives them a ray of hope. Now, we want to look at Israel in her great tribulation period, which is characterized by three elements in verses 1 through 17. Let me read these verses for us. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. Or the Lord of Israel saying, write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord. And I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers and they shall possess it. Now, these are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear and not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man's ever labored with child. 
so why do I see every man with his hands on his loins, like a woman in labor, and all faces turn pale? Alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break the yoke from your neck. And will burst your bonds. Foreigners shall no longer enslave them, but they shall serve the Lord their God. And David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Therefore, do not fear, O my servant Jacob, says the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save you from afar, and your seed from the land of your captivity. Jacob shall return, have rest, and be quiet, and no one shall make him afraid. For I am with you, says the Lord to save you. Though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you, I will not make a complete end of you, but I will correct you in justice and will not let you go altogether unpunished. For thus saith the Lord, your affliction is incurable, your wound is severe. There is no one to plead your cause, that you may be bound up, that you have no healing medicines. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you, for I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. Why do you cry about your affliction? Your sorrow is incurable because of the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. I have done these things to you. Therefore, all those who devour you shall be devoured, and all your adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall become plunder, and all who prey upon you I will make a prey. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they call you an outcast, saying, This is Zion, no one seeks her. Israel in a great tribulation period here, it characterized by these three elements. First, verse 1 through 3, the promised restoration of Israel. Secondly, in verse 4 through 11, the perilous tribulation of Israel. And then verse 12 through 17, the precarious condition of Israel. The promised restoration of Israel is up front. God is always good to encourage us, to give light, always. Verse 1 through 3. Notice first of all in verse 1 and 2. The prophetic utterance to the prophet was a divine revelation once again. Uh, the words uh, are said that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Once again, this declares that it's breathed out from God. As Paul says in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. Like Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 and 21. That Jeremiah was being carried along by the Spirit of God as he spoke to ensure that what you have is not of any human origin or impulse, but by the leading and directing of God. So that what you possess is an errant, infallible, and in the generations to come, you can open the book and say, Jeremiah said. Notice the Lord identifies himself as the Lord God of Israel. The one who created every Jew. The one who had made a covenant with the nation of Israel back with Abraham. It's his right to confront. It's his right to declare. It's his right to do as he wills towards them. And the command of Jeremiah was to write in a book all the words the Lord had spoken to him. Now we've seen in Jeremiah that they're not all in chronological order, so we have to watch the dates and everything. But God had him write this so that the future generations, as I said earlier, would have them. And the book of Jeremiah is so important, so necessary for the church. To show us God's 
faithfulness. The word book there, sephir, means document. Now the place from which the prophet Jeremiah wrote these, again, if we are right, if these two are, if all these four are a unit, then he was in prison. And he must even himself been overwhelmed by the situation. In fact, later on we're going to see that God called him to buy some land to assure that he would bring them back. And he tells Jeremiah, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything impossible for me? Because Jeremiah sometimes said, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Just like you and I, huh? We're human. Now, notice secondly in verse 3, the prophetic period was the end times. Very important. The expression, the days are coming. It identifies the period that the material will be dealing with. And it's repeated several times. Here in verse 3, 3127. 3131, 3138. So it's a key phrase that's repeated so that it covers all of that material. There's the term in the latter days, which we saw already in chapter 30, verse 24 at the end. In those days, chapter 31, verse 29, and verse 33. All of these phrases indicate the ultimate fulfillment of the great tribulation for Israel. Though he's talking to the people of the day, looking for the Babylonian captivity unto it, he goes all the way into the future. Alright? Very important that we understand this. Now, the authority once again is marked by the phrase, notice, says the Lord. This appears in verse 5, we see it. In verse 12, verse 18. Then when you go to chapter 31, you find it in verse 2, 7, 15, 16, 23, 35, 37. Now, how many times does God have to say, listen up, I'm speaking. (laughs) This is critical material. He wants you to know that Jeremiah didn't smoke the big one. This is directly from heaven, okay? He didn't take no LSD or anything. This is divine revelation. Now, the purpose behind the written document... Notice was to give hope to the captives regarding Yahweh's promise of the national restoration there in verse 3. God is going to do it. Yahweh said, I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah. Throughout chapter 30 to 33, Judah and Israel are mentioned with the whole promise of being one as a nation. Yahweh said, I will cause them to return to the land that I give to their fathers. It will be a literal returning to the land. Okay? Literally, not spiritually. Yahweh said, they shall possess it. The reason being is God has given it to them. Now the whole argument in the Middle East is what? Whose land is it? Hey, let's open the document. Let's open the title deed. Who holds the pink slip? The Jews do. Now, it's not time for them to possess the land, but they hold the deed. All right? It's theirs. The material in the two chapters, 30 and 31, again are prophetic in nature, understand that, and are tied as one. The opening verse of chapter 31 says, at the same time. What time? The latter days, the last verse of the closing chapter 30. Therefore, the prophecies may have a short-term fulfillment in Babylon if you wanted to push it. 
But the ultimate fulfillment is the long-term fulfillment of the great tribulation of Israel. This is what it's concentrating on in chapter 30. Chapter 31, he gets into the kingdom age. All right? Though he'll mention it once or twice, and we'll look at it a little bit, it's concentrated in chapter 31. Now, remember the ministry of Jeremiah had a twofold office. In chapter 1, verse 10, when God commissioned them, he said, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plan. Having done the first for almost 40 years, now he begins to focus upon the planting and building. Because they were going to go into captivity. So he gives the hope of the restoration. The scriptures say that God cannot lie, as you know. Do you remember Elijah, the prophet? He prophesied during the famine. That the very next day, they would be selling fine flour for a set amount at the gate of Samaria. The officer of the king said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Elijah said, You will see it, but you shall not eat of it. In 2 Kings 7, 1-2. And the very next day, as you know, the lepers went out to the Syrian camp and God had wiped them out and they came back and told the king of all the food, everything out there. The very next day, they sold fine flour in the gates of Samaria and the officer saw it, but he was trampled by the people. He didn't eat it. You see, prophecy to you may, be, may seem to be so far-fetched. You say, oh, come on, a literal coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A literal antichrist from Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mark on your forehead the wrist. Sure. As hard as it may seem to you to believe, it's going to happen. He knows the end from the beginning. God told Abraham that he was going to put his people and his nation in a foreign land, a strange land for 400 years, Egypt. And he was going to multiply them, then he would judge the nation, then bring them out and give them the land in Genesis 15. 12 through 21. The prophecy took place just as God prophesied through Moses. God told the nation through Jeremiah that he was going to bring back the captivity. In fact, he wrote the special letter in chapter 29. They were to settle down, get married, have children, multiply so they don't diminish. And then God, at the end of the 70 years, would bring them back. The prophecy took place once again, exactly as God prophesied through Cyrus. God told many of his prophets, as well as the New Testament, the fact that he would scatter Israel and the Jews throughout all the world. And in the latter days, he would bring them back. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, many, many, many others. The prophecy took place just as God prophesied. And Jesus prophesied of that destruction of the city and the temple by Titus in 70 AD. From that day, the Jews have been scattered and have been without a homeland until 1948, May 14. Now, what we're studying here is we haven't seen happen. This may be a beginning but it's not the ultimate fulfillment. This fits into the Great Tribulation. Because there are more Jews in New York than there are in Israel. They have not been gathered all over. 
Okay? So this is, if anything, just a partial or a leading up to. It's not an ultimate fulfillment. So this is the promised restoration of Israel. Now notice, secondly, in verse 4 through 11, the perilous tribulation of Israel. First, in verse 4 through 7, the day will be a day of great distress. The words are not man's once again, God's. The words are concerning Israel and Judah. This is the second time. Both are mentioned what? As one, to emphasize the complete redemption of the nation. And we see this throughout these chapters. The northern kingdom in 722 went into exile. And now it's about a hundred years or so. Babylon has conquered Assyria. So literally, the northern kingdom is under Babylon. And Babylon is going to take Judah. So Judah and Israel are under Babylonian power and authority, right? They're one even in captivity. The horror of the day is declared by the prophet. He says, we have heard a word trembling of fear and not of peace. It's a horrible time. The nature of the day is given could certainly have a present uh, distress application in part to Babylon and the siege. But the context reveals looking beyond to the ultimate great tribulation of Israel's time. Look at verse 6. The day is marked by intense pain and distress. Again, uh, pictured as if a man were in labor pains. The instruction comes by way of a rhetorical question. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. What's the answer? No. You ever see a pregnant man? The second question is, so why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor? And all faces turn green, literally. The question can not be answered by the people. For it is for the end of the age. They can't see the future. The question presupposes the answer coming from God. From Yahweh. Now notice the day is identified for us. As Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble. This is another term that is synonymous with the great tribulation. And the response is, alas, for that day is great. A phrase often used for the day of the Lord, for judgment, darkness, and distress. Throughout Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Zechariah, many, many other prophets. He says, so that none is like it, it is unique, and none like it has ever happened or ever will. Jesus said in Matthew twenty four twenty one. None like it, nor ever shall be, unless those days were shortened, only three and a half years. No flesh would survive. Because the first three and a half is false peace, as we'll see. The last three and a half is great tribulation, the wrath of God. He says, and it is the time, here it is, of Jacob's trouble. Now, you cannot apply it to anybody else. You cannot apply that to the church. You cannot apply it to individuals. This is to Israel. The period of Jacob's troubles identifies the seven-year tribulation, usually. But real specific, it identifies the last three and a half years, the great tribulation. Daniel identified it as the 70th week of his prophecy in Daniel 9.27, where the Israel will make a one-week, a seven-year covenant with the Antichrist, okay? 
Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Those three chapters and those three synoptic gospels speak of the tribulation and great tribulation. Short-term prophecy, long-term prophecy in all three of those chapters also. Paul wrote extensively, especially about the Antichrist in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, how we will be caught up together in the Lord with the air, harpazled before that time. And we'll be with the Lord. In chapter 5, how that day we don't have to be ignorant of it. And that will come upon those who are in darkness, not us. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, he speaks about the man of sin, the Antichrist. And how he will deceive the world. He will build their temple and declare himself to be God. And Israel will know that he is their enemy. Now, notice secondly in verse 7 at the end. But he shall be saved out of it. As their deliverance would come from Babylon, so in the end time. The deliverance from Babylon would only reinforce their trust in God's word that he means what he says. The great tribulation, to an extent, is to prepare Israel for her Messiah. Paul says that in Romans eleven twenty six, Zechariah twelve ten through thirteen speaks about where did you receive these wounds in the house of my friends? They will weep for him. Then the prophet says, the day there's a phrase will reveal God fighting for Israel. Verse eight, the victory is guaranteed for in that day the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, will be for them. He's never lost a battle. Remember. The Lord will break his yoke from his, their necks. Referring to who? His yoke. The Antichrist. Who will rule the world and persecute the woman Israel. He appears on a horse with a bow and with no arrows. A white horse in Revelation 6. He conquers through diplomacy. He rules the whole world through the Ten Nation Confederacy. We don't have time to get into all the specifics. But that's how it will happen. The Lord will burst their bonds. Foreigners shall no longer enslave them. The Jews have never known such a period since that day. Even when they came back with Zerubbabel and, and Ezra and that, this can't apply to them. They had Terma, they had Sambela, Tobiah, Hasselin from the outside, Shemai from within. It's always been like that. The prophet says their deliverance will lead them into the kingdom age in verse 9. So now he jumps ahead. The next chapter deals with the kingdom age, but he kind of just jumps into it in verse 9. He says, And Israel will at that time serve the Lord their God. That's the kingdom age. They're not serving their God right now. There are very few Orthodox Jews in Israel. They will acknowledge their Messiah. They rejected and crucified according to Zechariah. Where did you receive these wounds? He'll say, I received them in the house of my friends. Zechariah 12, 10 and 13, 6. It will be under the new covenant. Later on, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through 34 tells us the new covenant. The book of Hebrews tells us they write it in their hearts, not tables of stone. Give them a new spirit. But it won't happen to the millennial kingdom. Because the great tribulation the last three and a half years is to prepare them for the Messiah when they will acknowledge him and then he'll set up the kingdom. Pastor Xavier Reese illustrating the coming peace for the nation of Israel to be experienced in the millennial kingdom, as described in the prophecy of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 30, our text for today's Simple Truth Study. Now, if you've missed any part of this message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online.
Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But there's much more to this study to come right here next time as well. But if you prefer, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply Israel's Tribulation and Deliverance. It's available on CD for only $4. And once again, the title to ask for is Israel's Tribulation and Deliverance. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. From Peril to Peace, the unfolding story of Israel. Not from the news headlines, but the simple truths of the Word of God. Join us next time right here with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com